It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Eric Hulkerin, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. On this episode, we check in with Jared Purcell and Scott DeCamp about spring high school sports and how different it is a year later. There's a hint of optimism in this episode, and I think you'll appreciate it given where we've come with high school sports to where we are right now. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Behind the Headlines. So let's jump into it. It is Behind the Headlines. My name is Eric Hulkern, and as I said, joining us today is Scott DeCamp and Jared Purcell, and my co-host, as always, Vice President of Content, the one, the only, John Heiner. How are you, my friend? Eric Hulkern, I am doing well, given all circumstances, which is my caveat every single week. Right. Um, Maybe I should, put, I should put that in my intro so you don't have to do it anymore. He's going to be <laughs> as well as it was, is accepted in all the terms that we have. All the asterisks that are piling yes, up. All I, the variables. I I'm fine. <laughs> In air quotes. Uh, you know, we're getting to the point now where we're going to start doing these one-year anniversary conversations about where were you when, sort of thing. And I will tell you, this time last year, uh, my daughter's a senior in high school. She was co-captain of the tennis team, and I, I had been, as many parents do, during her high school career, helping the coach. Um, sort of assistant coaching with the tennis team. And this was the time of year we were talking lineups and we were setting up indoor practice times and doing all that stuff. And March 10th, I believe, was when the first cases of COVID were announced in Michigan. And of course, you know, I get a text from the coach, what does this mean? And I'm like, I don't think it's good, but let's, let's, let's see. And by the Friday of that week, March 13th, there had been some practices already, including some outdoor because we had some nice weather, but we were in an indoor facility on the way over, I got a text because I work for him live that there was going to be a press conference with the governor uh, talking about spring sports. And I just had a sinking feeling and they, they finished their practice and the mood was getting kind of grim. And at the end, the eight returning letter winners came into a circle to do one of those team cheers. And, and as a as a joke, they all put their elbows in and touched elbows. And, you know, I have a picture of that. And that's the last time that that group of seniors and that group of students was together. Um, no more tennis, no more practices. And they had what was probably going to be the best girls team in school history. Um, had a real good chance uh, to go to States and do well. And so, you know, and then everything cascaded. And I only tell this story not as like, what was them? Because I think it's more just representative of, of what happened at the time. And, you know, since then, a roller coaster doesn't even begin to describe what occurred with football. What and we've talked about it here, uh, and then winter sports, which I want to talk about because that's ending and spring sports are, are imminent. And to do that, we brought on our 
our esteemed and eminent high school sports writers from MLive. And we have, we have many, but uh, Jared Purcell, who's a returning veteran of Behind the Headlines. Uh, good morning, Jared. Good morning. Thanks for having me back. And you know, I, I do sympathize with that, uh, that story you just shared about the tennis team, because as, as a track coach in the spring, you know, we kind of experienced the same thing. And it's hard to believe that, you know, we're, we're circling back to almost a year now. Jeez. Right. And then it goes, man. Jared's uh, works out of the Detroit area for us. And then on the other side, far other coast of the state, uh, hailing from Muskegon, Michigan, or the Muskegon area, we have Scott DeCamp, who covers high school sports and has for, for decades over there. Good morning, Scott. Hey, how's it going, you guys? Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you. Okay, I, it's sort of like you get 52 pickup here. We could start anywhere talking about high school sports, but uh, Jared, just really quickly, I just want, I was telling you on the pre-show here that I saw your article yesterday about a delay in spring sports. Why don't you just tell us the state of what spring sports is going into um, and how it might be different from winter and fall? Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy because, you know, if, if this would have happened in any normal year, there'd be outrage, but um, currently, the plan is for spring sports to start officially on March 22nd. Uh, and that's only a week later than the original proposed date of March 15th. So, um, you know, considering spring sports did not have a season last year and after watching everything that fall and winter sports had to go through just to start and complete their seasons. Um, I don't think there's going to be too many objections about this new timeline you know, the, the MHSA said they're not going to extend the finals or the tournament dates. Um, so it just basically means the, the season's going to be a week shorter. But um, I think everyone's willing to live with that just to get a chance to compete because, like, these, these spring sports kids have not competed, you know, since 2019, which is crazy to think about. So, um, but yeah, the MHSAA's representative council um, surveyed the athletic directors across the state, and 74% of them wanted to extend the season by at least a week and um i don't think they, they didn't have an option to extend it any more than two weeks anyway so it wasn't going to be like a huge delay the announcement um so i think they just met kind of in the middle and said hey we're just going to push it back week the reason why they're doing that is just because they're trying to give more time for winter sports teams especially ones that use gymnasiums like basketball teams to finish so there's not a conflict of teams trying to be indoors at the same time with spring and winter um so it's a little bit of a compromise with the athletic directors too. Uh, but, you know, I think everyone's going to be able to live with it and, you know, hopefully there won't be as many restrictions considering all of spring sports are outdoors, which is a huge factor in my mind. Is there an element here of we know more now than we did a year ago because last year, you know, in the spring, it was like, I don't want to say we panicked, but we didn't know. And they just said, you know, tennis is not really a contact sport. As a matter of fact, after tennis got canceled, we, you know, my daughter and I and my family was able to go play tennis at an indoor tennis facility with restrictions. But, you know, by fall, they were they had tennis and golf and things like that. So what do we know now that, that we didn't know then? Well, I mean, like, first of all, there, were, there wasn't anything data wise to go by back last spring. So, I mean, you had to make a really tough decision based on, you know, forecasts, basically. So now with, um, you know, everything that the MHSA has gone through and, you know, the testing that they've done with the athletes that have been eligible for the testing, um, you know, they've, they've found really low rates of positive tests within teams and, uh, 
and that, that includes, you know, coaches, staff members, and things like that, um, you know, to make them more prepared to move forward. Um, you know, athletic directors and schools and local health departments are more on the same page now communicating with each other because, you know, a lot of the quarantine stuff that's decided by the districts and the local health departments, not by the MHSAA. So um, I think it's just everybody being more on the same page of how to operate uh, in these circumstances. And, you know, each new season has brought different challenges of, um, you know, levels of contact and being indoors versus outdoors. And I think spring sports should at least bring the least amount of um, issues when it comes to that. So I, I think the spring sports will be able to have a as close to a fully functional season as we've seen so far. Scott, you've been doing this for decades, as I said, lots of contacts over in your community. Let's just go back. Let's rewind this to the fall a little bit because Muskegon's a football powerhouse. And what, from the perspective of the coaches and the players, you know, how did that, how would you rate how this was all handled, how the fall season? I mean, again, there were a lot of unknowns, but what were the effects of all the decisions that were made on the kids? And how, and how in, in if things got better in the winter, how did that, how did that go down? Yeah, I think, um, there were mixed emotions or mixed reactions to that. Um, even powerhouse schools uh, that are traditionally making deep runs in the playoffs, they weren't necessarily all on board or maybe a hundred percent gung ho with the way things were going. Yeah, they were still going to compete, but it's different at each school. You know, each school has different considerations in terms of, you know, maybe support for the, for the students and, just different communities that you come from, different different teams, different programs have different motivations too. And like, for instance, like Montague, I'll use for an example, which won a Division Six state title. Um, they, they've been pointing to this year for a long time. So they were going to do anything and everything they could mm-hmm. this in. And, and they did a good job. They actually did have some COVID cases crop up, which that, that ended up meaning the end of the season for some programs, not only in football, but volleyball and other sports. And uh, for Montague, they were able to kind of manage it in a way that the kids that were, or the people that were, the coaches, et cetera, whoever was exposed, um, they were able to quarantine them and keep them away and then socially distance and practice. And each health department's different too in each county. So depending on how that's traced back in your individual county, I mean, maybe one county is more strict than another. So um, I think all those things are factors, but there's just all kinds of mixed emotions because it's just so hard to get kids mentally back on on board if you've had them. Like, and I'll give you an example, a community like, you know, Muskegon High School, that community, it's the winningest program in, in the state and, and, and they're making routine runs to Ford Field. But it's tough for, for those coaches and educators to maybe get some kids back in the fold after they've kind of lost them, so to speak for a while. So it's just really, it was really a juggling act in those stops and starts. And like you said, roller coaster doesn't even begin to explain it, but there were just so many of those ups and downs that just trying to get the kids minds right to be able to compete again. That, that was difficult. Well, a couple of things that as the season was, you know, they paused again and then they said, okay, let's start again and make it try to get the state finals in was a sense of fatigue, and I don't mean physical, but this sort of fatigue with the process. And uh, Jared, I know that uh, there were a couple stories we had out of the Detroit region. I think it was Cass Tech, and correct me if I'm wrong, the coach there, and then Belleville, who both said, you know, hey, maybe this isn't worth it. 
um, think of the kids' welfare. So I'd like both of you to speak just for a minute on, and, and this isn't like, this is just subjective. You guys see a lot in sports and you, you know, a lot of people and you, you, you hear a lot. Was it ultimately a success and worth it to, to pull off the football season and get to the finish line for all parties concerned? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that first. Um, yeah. In terms of calling it a success or not, I think it is uh, despite everything that had to happen. I mean, what didn't happen in the fall is, you know, the better question to ask, but to get through that, um, I think put um, a really nice benchmark for the plan moving forward with winter and spring sports. Uh, I think fall needed to find a way to finish and order us to have some kind of organization and, and know-how and mindset of how to handle these sports moving forward. Um, and you were right. I mean, Cast Tech uh, and um, the Belleville coach, you know, these are two of the top programs in the entire state. And they were like, well, are we even doing this for the right reasons, basically? And, you know, Belleville's coach even had his own battle with COVID. So, uh, you know, they, they absolutely knew the risks. And, um, you know, there was a little bit of uneasiness throughout the process of going through it. But I think everyone wanted to reach a finish line in some way, shape or form and not have some kind of pause end it for them. They wanted to get there themselves. Uh, at Ford Field, uh, you could tell that there was, you know, plenty of just relief and uh, thankfulness, I guess I should say, for the athletes. Um, even the ones that lost just expressed how amazing it was just to get to that point. Um, you know, the last time I think I was with you, we were talking about fall moving to the spring, and we thought there was no way it was going to come back, and it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, th- those kids had run the gauntlet, and I think getting to the finish line was huge for them. And, uh, you know, throughout this whole process, I think that's the most important part people need to keep in mind is just, um, you know, the kids got uh, um, a way to finish their seasons and, um, you know, like it or hate it, um, that's that's the most positive thing that came out of it. So, yeah, I would echo Jared's sentiments there. I mean, I think the big thing here is opportunity for the for the young people to, to be able to complete those seasons. And it was not going to be perfect no matter what you did. And. I, the MHSA, there's been a lot of people who have been critiquing them and maybe for good reasons and maybe for others, maybe not so good reasons, but they, um, their whole stance the whole time was to complete the seasons, you know, to be able to offer these opportunities and to be able to get those state championship games in and to provide opportunities and have three sports seasons too, not just fall. I know football extended into late January, which by the way, you know, as sports writers, we have like an internal clock <laughs> that's in our in our minds. I mean, I'm sitting in Ford Field, which was you know odd being empty as it were, and everything like that. But I'm sitting there, and in my mind, I'm thinking Thanksgiving weekend. This is Thanksgiving weekend, and then you keep looking at your phone, your calendar. You're like, oh yeah, it's January 22nd and 23rd. So that throws you all out of whack to begin with. So, and it kind of carries over into this winter sports season. But I think the main thing is. The whole goal was to get these seasons in some semblance of a season, some kind of opportunity for these kids in, in fall, winter, and spring. And I think that's what they're aiming toward. I, I thought they might have extended the spring sports season a, a little bit, maybe a week. I know they didn't want to let it maybe seep into July, but I figured they might extend that a week just because, you know, spring got maybe, you know, got the short end of the straw last year. So, but you know, like Jared said, it's great that they're getting an opportunity and they're on schedule to do so. 
Yeah, not to be melodramatic. I, matter of fact, I want to tip my hat to my daughter because she really didn't dwell on it too much because then graduation was compromised. Everything in the spring, there was no prom and all that. And she took all that in stride pretty well. She's now a virtual student at MSU, just waiting for things to be normal again. But she did say, I remember just about the time they would have had their regionals in tennis, uh, which they were going to do really well at. She said, you know, all those times I complain about practice in the cold or all the times I griped about a tough match is I just want one more practice with my team. I mean, it, it ended with no ending and that was really tough. And so for the way you're talking about the football season, I mean, the stop and start may have been difficult for some kids or programs, but at least there was a, a bow at the end. They were able to get to the finish line. And, and I think that that may have been good for everybody just emotionally too. Yeah. So. That closure, that closure, I think it was important. Right. Yeah, the, I think the only difficult thing about that was the fact that, uh, um, you know, there were still some teams that didn't make it to the finish line as the way they wanted to because, uh, you know, they had to shut down their season because of COVID. Um, and that that's one thing that's that's still happening now. And, you know, because the way basketball season works, you know, there, there's not a, a set number that the MHSA is keeping track of for winter sports in terms of teams that are canceling competition. So, um People are still trying to schedule things at the last minute, um, trying to find different opponents at the last minute or canceling. Um, so it's 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 the same roller coaster ride that fall went on is still happening uh, with winter sports. Um, you know, it's just it's not really backed by any um, numbers by one whole entity. So um, luckily at Ford Field, that was the only week of the entire football season where a team did not forfeit. Um wow. So, I mean, they got super lucky and, you know, I hope that can happen for, uh, you know, winter sports and basketball, but, you know, we'll see because it's, it's still happening. Um, even though, you know, cases are going down, vaccinations are being rolled out. I have no idea how that timeline is going to play out, but um, at least right now that things are rolling in somewhat more of a positive direction. So there's, there's more hope at least for, you know, winter sports moving forward now that they finally got started. Mm-hmm. So. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on M Live, and our guests today are Jared Purcell, sports writer for M Live in Detroit, and Scott DeCamp, a high school sports writer for us over in Muskegon. And again, thank you for joining us. You, we're talking about the winter sports season now, and uh, we, before we jump into a little bit more on that, I do want to reference some reporting we did statewide. And Jared, and your name was on it, but I think there was also contributions from all your peers around the state about mask usage. And one of the conditions for resuming winter sports or starting winter sports was some rules about the use of masks by athletes, coaches, officials, and things of that nature. Why don't you just walk our listeners through what we found and, and what that means for these programs and, and any of the, the fallout from that? You know, I'm, I'm sure if I ask Scott, I mean, it's, it's not a hot button issue, is it, Scott, wearing masks at yeah, maybe just maybe just a little bit right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just one of the disappointing things with it is, um, you know, in, in the first week of the season, all of us, our, our local sports team observed, uh, you know, some concerns with how masks were being worn uh, at basketball games, especially. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you shouldn't call out the kids and the coaches for doing this. They're, they're just, you know, trying to get the opportunity to play, but, you know, at the same time, so many of them, uh, you know, joined the, the let me play, let us play movement. And, 
they posted, you know, these promises on social media saying, you know, we'll do everything that we're asked to do. We'll wear our masks. We'll hold each other accountable and all this stuff. And, you know, it, it seemed kind of split uh, almost 50, 50 in terms of, you know, who was doing it properly and who wasn't. Um, and it didn't seem like anyone wanted to take responsibility for the policing of it at first. Um, so when I reached out to the MHSAA, I was told that the officials now have the responsibility and authority to be able to stop the game or contest and remove an athlete from competition, or at least tell them to fix their mask. If it's a repeated issue, they can actually send a basketball player to the bench to make sure their mask is adjusted in some sort of way. Um, I've, I've seen that at a couple of games and then I've seen a few games where, you know, chin strap wearing is the norm and nothing is really said. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just seems like, um, not everyone is on the same page yet, uh, but the MHSAA said, you know, this is this is something that everyone has to do. I mean, this this was part of the agreement. Um, this is what a lot of the athletes and coaches agreed to do themselves. So they're they're at least trying to get some, you know, personal responsibility for people out there to get the job done. And um, I think it's going to be an issue going throughout the season. I think it will slowly potentially get better as officials take. Um, you know, more steps and coaches take more steps to keep their athletes properly masked. Um, just on Saturday, I was at Detroit Renaissance High School and their coach, um, Shane uh, Wall. he was a um, big supporter of the Let Them Play movement. And um, probably every stoppage of play, he was saying mask up to his athletes. And it really wasn't an issue at all. And the other team heard it too, you know, there's more than one team out there. So everyone was kind of you know, making the adjustments that they needed to. And even if, even if there weren't any adjustments needed, he was saying it. So, I mean, it's just something you got to try and keep in an athlete's head because they can get wrapped up in the competition, whereas coaches and officials are constantly observing. So um, it's, it's a little more, I think, I think on them than on the kids to, you know, stay masked because sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment going up for a rebound or, or doing anything, really, you don't really notice what's going on with your, with your mask. So I think it's going to get better still not a hundred percent, uh, you know, cooperation with this aspect, but mm-hmm. I don't know what, uh, Scott's seen over on the West side, but I, I think it still needs some work over here. Yeah. I've seen a, a little bit of everything, honestly. I mean, you've seen the chin straps where, and, and I'll, and I'll stop and say that I don't think anybody's pointing fingers at the, at the kids. I think it's the adults who need to be responsible and holding everybody accountable for this, the, be it the coaches, the athletic administrators, the officials, and yeah, the, the kids have to abide by that, but, and do a better job. But I, you know, I've, I'm seeing it all over the board, like some, and it seems like it's game by game. Like maybe in one game, you might see a bunch of quote chin straps next game. Like last night I was at a boys basketball game and they were all doing a really good job of, of wearing their, keeping their masks up. Yeah. They're going to slip down, but they were doing a good job of at any moment they could pull that thing back up. And, you know, I covered wrestling Saturday and, they're not required to wear masks when they're competing because they're testing, they're doing the rapid testing. Mm -hmm. And that it's kind of weird sitting there because you're, you're so used to seeing these face coverings now that when athletes take, take the matter for competition, you're like, wait a minute, there's no, Oh yeah, that's right. They don't have to wear masks. They do off the mat. They require them to do so away from the mat, but it's interesting. These are interesting times where you, you know, I've seen people now, you know, walking into gas stations, there's a lot of people that aren't wearing them or whatever any place. And you're just seeing that. I don't know if people are just getting more lax in general, or if they're just tired of everything or well, I, I, 
I'll make, a, I'll make a couple points related to that. One, when is the last time in human history that you set a bunch of rules and then just said trust the teenagers to <laughs> comply with the rules and enforce the rules? I mean, it's policing is where it's all at. And to your point, Scott, it's across all society. When I go into a restaurant now and it's supposed to be 25% and it's it's 75% full, I mean, it's, you can't, you know, it's a big state. There's 10 million people and they're not going to have a special police force, but it's 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 up to the willingness, goodwill of people to cooperate and do what they're, they're asked to do. And you're seeing backlash across all of society there. And, you know, it, it really is about the adults in the room, in my point of view. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, even the comment I made about going to a gas station, I just think, or I wonder how much of it is a political statement by some people that just like, I'm no, I'm not going to do it. You're not going to make me do it. And I just think part of it's, you know, I've gone in restaurants too, where it's supposed to be obviously 25% and it's far over that and pushing a hundred percent. And I'm looking around thinking, you know, you're kind of, you know, we're wearing our masks and we're protecting ourselves and trying to look out for other people. But at the same time, you're thinking about the restaurants who have been, you know, trying to quote catch up. And I, and I'm, I mean, I feel for them too, but it's just a really tough time right now. Yeah. And like I said, to put this out onto the kids who've been through so much anyways, I mean, I think they'll kind of do what they're told if it's enforced, but um, I thought that was really good reporting. I got fellows, uh, really good story. Um, we were in M live. I just want to point out M live was being sensitive not to show kids in a way that put them in a bad light. Uh, we did hear from some parents um, about this, but anyways, uh, this, I think it's just representative of what's happening across the society at large. Um, so talking about the spring a little bit, going into spring, Jared, your coach, um, I, I would say that so far winter doesn't seem as much crazy as fall was with, you know, the stop starts and the pushback there. There were some let them play rallies recently uh, before the changes were announced for winter sports. But if things, if things toned down enough that we can get a glimpse of normal heading into spring. Yeah. I, I think the, the main thing for spring sports, I think all spring sports coaches were waiting to see what was going to happen with winter, just because we feel like if winter can compete and finish a season, then it should be no problem for spring. And, you know, like I said, the, the circumstance circumstances have changed so much since the season was canceled last year, um, you know, with, all the testing that's going on, um, you know, the masking that's going on and the vaccines that are going on. Uh, everyone is a little more hopeful. Um, I should say a lot more hopeful that, you know, things will be relatively normal for a track and field coach. You know, luckily we don't really have to worry about contact too much in that sport. I mean, you do have relays where you pass batons and stuff, but I mean, that can be cured just by putting up, uh, you know, hand sanitizing stations for kids and stuff like that. Um, you know, I did ask the MHSAA about sports like soccer and lacrosse, their contact sports for the spring. And um, it, it seems like they can be able to go throughout their season with the same type of masking protocols that basketball is doing right now. Um, I don't think there's going to be any sport where testing will be required, kind of like what they're doing with wrestling. Um, you know, wrestling is one of those exceptional sports where the only way you can actually score a point is like through contact, basically. Mm -hmm. So, um you know, it's, it's going to be uh, another season of adjustments, um, but, you know, able for me to be able to get to a cross country season, uh, I think track and field will be fine. You know, sports like tennis um, and, 
uh, a few others will be fine, uh, like baseball and softball. You know, there's instances of contact there, but at least you can separate people on the field. People are separated on the field most of the time. Uh, you can spread people out on the bench. Um, you can put, you know, maybe more people outside the fence, the, the non-regulars and the lineup. So I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to um, have the season. There's going to be a lot of rules and regulations to follow, but it's going to be nothing new at this point in my mind. So uh, I, I think it'll be as close to normal as we've gotten, uh, you know, for any sports season when the spring starts. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing, Scott, or seeing over in the Muskegon area? Yeah, I just think um, it's kind of the domino effect, like Jared was alluding to with, you know, the winter was waiting to see what happened with the fall. It was waiting to happen to see what happened with the winter. And it just kind of goes from there. And, but I, I feel, I think people around here are feeling confident about spring sports. You know, the only problem with spring sports and it's been this way for years, and it's, it's going to be this way forever because we're in Michigan. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's already a really narrow window, a small window when you can actually get these contests in. And I mean, having been a baseball player, it's just, it's really tough to, Michigan's just not great for spring sports. I mean, our best weather was maybe when the state tournament rolled around. Right. And so, you know, but thinking about that too, I kind of try to, in my perspective as a former athlete, you try to think of what would you, what would it be like for you if you were going through what these kids were going through? Because mm -hmm easy to kind of just get locked into what we're doing with our jobs and not maybe think about the, the, the affected parties, but, you know, Jared as a coach can appreciate it. And me as a former, you know, baseball, football, basketball player, you can appreciate what, what they're going through. And can you imagine not having these, these opportunities to create these memories? Cause at the end of the day, it's not so much about winning trophies and winning and losing games. It's those memories you're creating and those lessons you're learning along the way. And it's so it's just that I think you alluded to it, John, with your daughter, just what she would give for one more practice just to be with her team. And really that's what it's all about is that belonging and togetherness. And, you know, kids were missing out on that. And that's really what they want at the end of the day. Right. You know, you talk about making memories. I was a baseball player in high school and I was in the Southern part of the state, not the UP or anything, but invariably one of your first games of the year where you're in winter coats and there were snow flurries, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, but, sure. and you just became part of playing sports in Michigan in spring. I mean, the fall, the kids in the fall, when they switched the seasons, you know, I remember, um, you know, my, my son was playing high school tennis and he got, he got switched to the fall and that's the best time, you know, in Michigan, cause you're coming off the heat heated months. So, but anyways, to your point, yeah, it's, it's more about the experience of being able to play and have the extracurriculars. So last thing I just want to ask you you both is with your contacts, and you have deep contacts across the, these communities and coaches and state, how are people holding up? Um, you know, and what are, what's the mindset of, of these coaches uh, who deal with, and they get the feedback from parents and they, and they, I know some of the frustration we've heard has come out in the stories, but how, how have people weathered this past year? Um, I would say people feel pretty weathered by the experience. <laughs> um, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, you're, you feel like you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, you know, there's always the, the, you know, the, the positive side where, you know, you can practice and you can compete, but there's so many 
small details along the way that get eliminated because of this pandemic that just make everything so difficult. Um, like you can't, you have your usual like team gatherings that you want, like the team dinners or, you know, go to, uh, you know, the movies in a huge group or, um, you know, go on a corn maze trip like my team would do in the fall and stuff like that. Um, there's just so many of those like little things. I mean, even the, even the high fives and the hugs and stuff that you have after a big play, um, you know, everyone's kind of just, you know, hesitant and, you know, doing the elbow part. So, I mean, I think everyone's a little bit affected, you know, in the close personal emotional way that, uh, you know, sports can impact you, um, you know, and just from an operational standpoint, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of alluded to this throughout this whole thing is, you know, people are just getting kind of fatigued with this whole experience. Uh, you know, a lot of people, I, th I think the majority of people understand what has to be done with the social distancing and the mask wearing, but, you know, when you're in this for so long and it's, and it's so different from the norm, uh, it's, it's a little difficult to handle, but, you know, the, the great part is, is, you know, there's still ways to communicate, you know, teams have been innovative with, you know, zoom meetings, um, you know, and social distance gatherings, uh, they're doing everything they can to keep things normal. And I think the kids, um, you know, with having to adjust to a new way of learning this year, um, missing out on sports then having sports and missing out on sports, everything they've had to go through with that, you know, it's, it's pretty inspiring to see, you know, how they've handled all this. I know not everyone's handled it the best way. And there's, you know, been a lot of unfortunate, um, you know, mental health issues that have come along with this, but um, you just see that anytime you get an opportunity to play sports, that it's, it's a positive impact on people. And this is really reminding everybody the positive impact that, that youth sports can have on kids. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge reality check for us. And, you know, hopefully moving forward, we'll all be better, you know, from having going through this, you know, we'll have more respect for coaches and teachers and officials, um, everything they have to deal with, and especially more respect for the kids. So that's just my two cents on it. Well, I'm not sure how I can follow that up because really, really well stated, Jared. And, um, you know, I think just to your point, I think people are just, you learn not to take things for granted because it's easy to do that. And, um, you know, also human nature dictates that when, if you're given an inch, then you want to take maybe three inches and it keeps going and going, the more you get, the more you want. So, you know, maybe, you know, you know, you're talking about these, like maybe team dinners or bus rides and stuff. You hope that everyone is still remembering that what we're in the middle of and not to get too lax on that. Cause mm -hmm. I think there's still some people out there that are maybe holding their breath a little bit about you maybe seeing the season end abruptly. And they're a little worried about that, but I think as we move along, people's comfort level and confidence level is growing a little bit as we, as we progress through this. But yeah, I, bottom line is I think just again, the opportunity to be able to, to do this, to, to be back with their peers and, and be in somewhat some semblance of normalcy. I think that's the, that's the key here. And let's get some vaccinations into some arms and yeah. let's get past this. And Jared, good luck with the spring season. I want to thank both of you for joining today and also for the great work that you and your, your high school sports writing colleagues have done, keeping people informed in Michigan uh, in our MLive reader base. And, Thanks so much for joining me on Behind the Headlines today and appreciate it. We'll, we'll check back in with you sometime later this year when everything's normal again. All right, thank you. That's the word I'm looking forward to, man. <laughs> <laughs>
And there they go. A huge thanks to Scott and Jared for catching us up on everything going on in spring sports and the optimism that comes with that a year later based on what spring sports was in 2020. As always, if you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe and share the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week, I'm Eric Halkren. He's John Heiner, and this is Behind the Headlines.